0: Hey, I'm Jim Richardson. You're with Impact Cyber Church. I want to wish you a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas. I, man, I hope this is a time of celebration. If it is not, I hope you've been going through the material that I've been offering you the last couple of weeks to help you not get yourself down in some discouragement or, or have a, a bad holiday man, I know what it's like. And, you know, I mentioned this before, and I'll mention this again. I have a free series that you can download called Creating Happy Holidays. I offer this every year for free. It's only about, I think it's only three messages, but it just kind of gives you some practical things about how to change what happens and how you feel and how life works during the holidays for you. You know, you, many of you have heard me tell my story. I hated holidays. I grew up hating holidays. Uh, you know, uh, when I was a really, really young child, I enjoyed holidays. But pretty much from the time I was about probably seven or eight years old on, I hated holidays. Hated Christmas. It was never anything enjoyable. And so, so you know, much of my life, even after I got saved, much of my life, I struggled with depression. Uh, discouragement, all of those things at holidays. But I'm telling you, you, you can get out of that. You don't need to live in that. You don't need to repeat that year after year. And uh, I'm giving you tools every week, not just to figure out how to deal with holiday blues, but just how to deal with pain from the past, get over it, get on with your life, enjoy the life that, uh, that, that Jesus promised. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that, that's very interesting about the way God created us, the way the mind works, and that is, and we've talked about this already, what, wherever you focus your attention is what grows in your mental and emotional experience. You know, if you, if you put your attention on all the problems of the world, it's it's not going to be long until you're going to be you're going to be daily experiencing the woes of the world, the woes of the the, the corruption of the political process, or the starving people of the world, or, or the injustices in the world. But the way God created us, we have authority over our being, and when we choose something, and everything about everything about walking with God is about us. Making a choice. It goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy choose life, choose death. Either way, in the Garden of Eden, it was choose the tree of life or choose the knowledge of good and evil. God always had to give man a choice because man is created in the likeness and the image of God. Man has a free will. And so, so, Everywhere we're going to go, every path we're going to walk, and even though there's going to be things that are going to come at us in life that we didn't plan, we didn't cause, we didn't have anything to do with, the way we respond to those things become the global uh, emotional state of our being. And the truth is, however we are emotionally, if we're happy, if we're sad, if if, if if we think life is good, if we think life is bad, if we think life is easy, if we think life is hard, we're going to be right. However we see it, however we think about it is going to be how we experience it. You know, when I think about, when I think about life being hard, I think about people, uh, you know, feeling like their, their life is so difficult. I think about a woman that I, that I knew years ago. I think she's gone on to be with the Lord. And um, she, she preached in our church many times, you know, back years ago. And uh, as a child, uh, her, her, her father uh, uh, beat her mother to death. And, and I mean, she watched her father stomp her mother to death on the kitchen floor. And as a little child, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, six or seven years old, she had to clean up the blood from the floor of her father beating her mother to death. And so her father took her out to an old farmhouse uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And all the windows and doors were boarded up except for the back door. That was the only door that you could get in and out of. And in that old house, there was one light bulb and that was it. There was no entertainment, no television, nothing. There was a light bulb and probably a bed. And, um, and so her father took her out to this old farmhouse and locked her in this house. And the only time he came to that farmhouse was to bring her a little bit of food and to molest her. That was her life. She was locked up as a child alone in a farmhouse uh, with scarcity of food. And when food was brought, she was molested by her father. And so uh, one day, looking out the cracks of the boards, she saw somebody walking down the road and she was able to get their attention. And of course, this would have been back in the 40s. So it was a different world. It was a different world then. It, it, there wasn't welfare and there wasn't, you know, uh, there weren't all these services to take care of people. And it was hard, even when a child was being abused, it was hard to get that child away from, away from uh, uh, the abuser. So she got this young lady's attention and came over and started talking to her through the windows. And she told the lady her plight. And um, uh, and so the lady just told her, said, said, said you, you need to, uh, I, I think, break that light bulb. And the next time he comes, you hide behind the kitchen door. And while he's trying to get the light bulb on, you make it out that back door and you run away. And that's what she did. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how, I don't remember how old she was when she, finally did this. She'd been in that farmhouse for quite a long time. So uh, they put her in a state orphanage and state orphanages in those days were very, they were very brutal. It was, a, it was worse than it is, is now. And so on the intake, when they found out that she had been molested regularly by her father, then, then, then the people who worked there in this, uh, in this orphanage uh, just took that as their past that they could molest her. And so for years, she lives in this state orphanage, and on a regular basis, different staff members are molesting her and brutalizing her in in various ways. So, you know, at the age of 18, they had to let her out out of the orphanage. So she gets out of the orphanage, and, and I think by the time she's 19, she meets a wonderful, godly man, marries him, and by the time she's 21, or she's, she's expecting or pregnant with her, I think, her fourth child. I think, I think they just started having kids, one right after another. And, um, and so, you know, here she's got the life of her dreams. She, you know, the first time in her life, she's got happiness. She's got a man who loves her and is good to her. And she's free from being locked up and molested on a regular basis. And this man that she loves gets cancer and dies and leaves her alone with four children. Now, you know, I got, I got news for you. When I look at someone like that, it's like if there's anybody in the world that has the right to have a bad attitude, if there's anybody in the world that has the right to live in sorrow and pain and disappointment and discouragement and depression, it would be this woman, I'm, I'm telling you. Well, she was actually just the opposite. I mean, I'm telling you, she was one of these people, she was positive, she was encouraging, she always reached out to people, she always helped people. When we would go out and eat, uh, I, I think pretty much every time we ever went out and eat at some point in time, you know, she would get a conversation going with the waitress and share the love of God with them and minister to them and and uh, uh, lead them to Jesus or, or otherwise encourage them and minister to them. And you know, sometimes we look at a person like that, and we say, "Well, that that, that person is just—they're just wired different." Well, uh, I sort of get that; I, I understand that to a certain degree. But I want you—I want you to realize something about your wiring. You know, your DNA is not static. How you're programmed when you come into this world is not how you stay, because we know now, based on epigenetics, <clears throat> that there are influences at work inside of you and the bible calls them beliefs and thoughts and and emotions there are influence envi- what what call environmental influences that can change the programming of your DNA, change the way you're wired. So, you know, sometimes we just look at people and say, well, they're happy and they're enjoying life because they're wired that way. And so, so, so you know, how they were wired, how their DNA is, what their disposition is, is that's why they're happy. But really, in most cases like that, it's just the opposite. Is It's because they chose to be happy, because they chose to enjoy life as good as they Could their wiring changed, their DNA changed, their programming changed. Now listen, I have known, I have known thousands of people throughout my life that had every right to be mean, cruel, bitter. I've known people that before they came to Jesus were cruel, violent people who came to Jesus and became loving, kind people. So here's what I'm saying: no matter how bad it is, you are created in the likeness and the image of God. You can do what no other creature in all of God's creation can do, you can make a choice to improve the quality of your life. I don't know if you realize it. The animals can't do that. The angels can't do that. There is no other being in all of creation (coughs) that can do what we do, and that is make a decision to change the quality of our life. So I want to share some things with you that I think this is some of what I did, I'm not saying that you have to do what I did, but this is some of what Brendan and I did to turn holidays into something uh, very, very beneficial. And to keep me from going off the rails uh, uh, into an emotional dive when it, when, it, you know, when it came time for the holidays. And one of the most important things we ever did, and in, and in my series, creating happy holidays, I talk about different things about creating your own culture and and breaking away from the, how your family did things. Don't set off those emotional triggers that remind you of the past. Uh, you know, create create your holidays to be how you want them to be, to have the emotional impact on you and the people around you. Based on what you want to have happen, uh, and and base all that on the promises of God of what is legally yours and potentially your experience if you'll if you'll make the decision if you'll pursue it. I hope, I hope I'm making sense of this. I hope I'm not getting a little, little too wordy on there. You know, when 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 Brenda and I got married, I was desperately sick. I was in and out of the hospital constantly. Uh, I was not able to work. Consistently, so we were broke, 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 broke. I am telling you, we were broke, and uh, man, we didn't, we didn't have much to give our kids uh, uh, at Christmas. As a matter of fact, the, the the first Christmas we were married, on top of the fact that we didn't have hardly anything to give our kids, there was a a, a flu, a virus of some kind going around that was horrible. And she and I both got it. I remember we got up and just crawled down the steps of our apartment and sat where we could see the kids while they opened the few gifts that we got them and crawled back up the steps and went back to bed and laid in bed with a fever and, and, and nauseous and vomiting uh, you know, for Christmas. That was, that, was, that was our first Christmas together. Now, <clears throat> because of what I had gone through with Christmas and because of what I'd seen, but also... Because of being in the ministry for years, I dealt with so many people that were so depressed, so lonely, so struggling during holidays that, that I thought, you know what? If there's ever a time of the year that we need to be reaching out to people and that we need to be helping people, it, it, it needs to be Christmas. I mean, stop and think about it. You know, there, there are people who are just fussing all the time. You know, is it right to celebrate Christmas? Is it not right to celebrate Christmas? Well, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 14th chapter, and, I, and actually I, I have a, 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 a free download that you can get where I, where I talk about, is it right to celebrate Christmas? You know, Paul says, look, some of you guys are fighting over whether or not you should worship on Sunday. Some of you guys are fighting over whether or not you should worship on Saturday. We know that Saturday is the true Sabbath according to God. But see, he didn't define that and say, uh, uh, no, you got to stick to the Sabbath. He, he he didn't do that. He said, whatever day is holy to you, if in your heart that day is holy, that's that needs to be the day that you celebrate your Sabbath and, 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 and you set apart time with the Lord. And you know, we, we all know that Sunday is the day of the sun God. If you don't know that, you know it now. So that's as pagan as you can get. But Paul didn't say, because the wor- since the world is doing this for a pagan reason, we can't uh, uh, participate in it. You know, the Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of the world. You know, somebody asked me a good question the other day. They said, man, I read your book on Apocalypse and I'm a day trader. I wondered if it was wrong for me to do, be a day trader. You know something? Uh, uh, we are in this world. We're, uh, who knows the corrupt ways that that we benefit corrupt people corrupt politicians corrupt governments how you know you know we don't know just in doing our daily jobs you know when you work for somebody that owns a business you don't know how corrupt that person is they could be using they could be using the profits of that company to go out here and buy child pornography does that make you evil no we are in this world but we are not of this world and and so, and Paul told us, he said, look, don't, don't get in this thing about don't touch this, don't eat this, don't do this, you know, da 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 da. Because this is all about having a, a heart connection you know, with the Lord. So, Christmas is the day of the sun god, just like Sunday is the day of the sun god. And Christmas was picked for, or or, or December the 25th was picked for pagan reasons so that the pagans could continue to have their holy days. And we just, and and the church back then just was going to mix Christianity in with it and, and call this, you know, the day of the Lord. All right, that's as corrupt, 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 corrupt as you can get. So is it evil if I participate in it? Well, it is if you're worshiping the sun God, but if, if you making this day holy in your heart, and this is unto the Lord, and this is going to be to honor the Lord, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna to minister to your family, you're gonna encourage and help your family, then, then that's as, then Christmas Day is as holy to you as it can be to anybody. But the point of all of that, to say all that, is this. If we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's bring some Christ into our Christmas. Let's bring something godly into our Christmas. Now, we, we see how that the commercial world has paganized, you know, the giving of gifts. It's all about making money. And, and you know, I realize all of that is off the rails. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know what? Just... Just because we give each other gifts don't mean we're celebrating the sun God. doesn't mean we're off the rails. We can give each other gifts and we can change the reasons why we do this. But the point is, is Christmas in general has been identified as a time of giving. So why don't we consider the possibilities of giving to people in a way that ministers to them, that helps them, that builds them up, that strengthens them. So Brenda and I, we started this, the, the, the first Christmas that we were married that we weren't sick, which would be the second Christmas. Uh, we, um, uh, we just got together and said, you know what? We both know a bunch of people who are widowed, divorced, or single th- that are struggling. And so what we want to do is on Christmas Day, we want to have uh, you know, we, we had a little bitty, tiny apartment, but we want to bring as many of those people as we can in here so they do not spend this day alone and and depressed. And uh, now, you know, now keep in mind, our cupboards were almost bare. I mean, we were struggling. We were struggling to give our kids lunches during the week. To, to go to school. So it wasn't like we had the resources to do this. And, you know, we had to get people to pitch in and do things to help. We had to pray and seek God about how how we were going to do it. But the long and short of it is we decided to do it. And, uh, and, and, it, and it, really, it really turned out pretty good. Well, probably for the next, uh, oh, at least the next 25 years uh, of our life, every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, we brought the widowed, the uh, divorced, the single, the lonely, the people who didn't have family you know, in, in our area, we brought them into our home. And then eventually, whenever we, uh, when, when we had a large church facility, we actually had the largest commercial kitchen in Huntsville, Alabama. And, uh, uh, and we would bring in people by the hundreds, and provide a Christmas Day meal, a Christmas worship, and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you're not going to do it in the hundreds, but you know something? Nearly everybody out there that's going to sit down and have a Christmas meal with your, with your family could find a way to bring in one or two people, at least. And suddenly, you're turning this into something that has a godly purpose. You're turning this into something that creates the opportunity to help people. Stop and think about it. The first people that Jesus addressed when he launched his public ministry were, were the brokenhearted, those people who had, who had lived through pain and who had lived through sorrow because if people don't get through the pain, then the truth is uh, uh, you can't get them whole. You can't get them help as long as they're, as long as they're drowning in their heartbreaking and, and drowning in their in their pain so <clears throat> so you know you can decide how you want to do this you can decide if you want this to be something you do with your family or don't do with your family but i tell you my my kids never my kids never saw a thanksgiving or a christmas without a bunch of people sitting around our dining room table and uh, uh you know some of these were some of these were people that sometimes we weren't even on the best of terms with but we cared about them god cared about them and we reached out to him it was an interesting thing um when we, when we give to other people, the, the, the concept that we tend to think is that it is a benefit to them. Well, it, it, it may be a benefit to them, but the real truth is from a biblical perspective as well as from a psychological perspective, it does us more good to give than it does for that person to receive. You know, that's, you know Paul says that. He says you know, it's better to give than to receive. We read that, but we don't believe it. We, most people don't know Uh, psychologically what the facts are, nor biblically what the facts are. You know, know, one of the words for offering means to draw near. And so when we give a sacrifice or an offering or give something away to to someone, uh, there is a factor uh, in the Hebrew language that says this causes a draw near. Now, we tend to think in our minds that that's going to make that person draw near to us. You know, we do that with our kids. We think the more we do for them, the more they're going to love us. Well, that's really not only is that not the case uh, uh, technically, but that's very seldom what happens in real life. Parents who try to win their kids' love by giving them stuff never get it back. They usually end up with a bunch of wild, entitled, selfish kids. And uh, and then they wonder why why don't they love me? I keep doing more, I keep doing more, and the parents actually become codependent enablers who who can't you know who can't ever say no to their kids and who can't establish boundaries, who can't bring about responsibility. They they can't understand why. How did I get this way? You got this way because all those times you, you, you did that sacrificial giving, all those times that you that you gave to your kids, th- what happened was they didn't draw nearer to you. You drew near to them because by your giving, you were placing a value on them. And this does something to the inside because love is value. So inwardly, you were increasing your value for your child or for your friend or for your spouse. Every time you made a sacrifice, every time you gave to them. And, um, you know, the Bible actually warns us about giving to people in a way that corrupts them. And, you know, the whole concept of if you, don't, if you don't work, you don't eat, that's not a legalistic concept uh, uh, to punish poor people or to punish people down on their luck. It's a concept that says, as a, a matter of fact, the Bible even tells us, you know, everybody needs to work with their hands and give, start giving to other people. One of the goals of every person should be, I want to be generous. I want to give to other people. I want to be a blessing to other people. If I'm a blessing to other people, whether they get it or not, whether they grow or not, whether anything good happens in their life or not, something good going to happen in my life because it, this is a draw near. This is me placing value on that person, the kind of value that God has for them. And, and that value is coming alive in my heart. So, so when you do these things for people, something happens in your heart. You know, it's it's, it's, it's interesting to to me that uh, uh, you know. I ha- well, let me let me just back up. You know, I had a friend uh, one time that. Uh, uh, she, she was going through some psychological problems. She was having some depression. Her husband died. And uh, at the time, I think she was maybe in her early 70s. And so um, uh, she finally decided to go see a counselor. And uh, the counselor uh, told her to bake some cookies and take them down to the old folks' home and give cookies to old folks. Well, I'm, when I heard about it, my first thought was, well, she's older than some people down there. And, and it really made her mad that, you know, she went in there for this professional help and the advice that she got was uh, make cookies and take them to the old folks. I mean, it made her really mad, but the problem was, and this is according to her words, these are not my words, the problem was she has a Mennonite background and Mennonites tend to be really frugal. And so she thought, you know, I gave this guy 75 bucks for an hour's counseling. So even though I I think he's stupid for what he asked me to do, I'm going to do it anyhow because I paid for this advice. So, so she goes down to the old folks' home and uh, she takes these cookies that, that she has made and, and she starts doing this every week. She liked to bake. So she, so she went down there, took stuff every week. Doing these acts of kindness did something in her heart that pulled her out of depression. Now, I want you to realize When we do things that influence our heart, and in this case, giving. See, one of the things about giving is that giving affects our heart and makes us capable of receiving. You know, you cannot receive anything you're not willing to give away. Love, friendship, uh, uh, finances. Uh, if, if, If you're not generously giving that, then the honest truth is what happens in your heart uh, uh, will keep you from being able to receive. Even if people are trying to help you, if, even if people are trying to be friendly people, even if people are trying to reach out to you, if you're, if you're not giving friendship and you're not giving kindness, you're, you're not going to trust in uh, uh, people, coming, people coming back to you and trying to be friendly to you. You're going you're to think that they're up to something. But, uh, but what happens when we are generous to other people, And we give and serve other people. The real truth is it is more blessed to give than receive because our heart opens up and we become capable of receiving. And we not only become capable of receiving kindness and love from other people, we become capable of receiving kindness and love from God. And so many people attach to the love of God because... They were giving away the love of God because they were being generous. You know, you know. and in, in the bottom line is this. Find something you like to do and enjoy doing and find a way to serve and benefit other people with whatever that is that you enjoy doing. You will find that something inside you changes. You can turn Christmas from something that's sad and that is lonely and that is depressing into something that is life giving, energizing, and stimulating. And and you can bring about a, a shift in your heart and all things relating to God where you open up your heart to receive from the Lord. Listen, let me just mention this real quick. Like, we have special offers going all month in December. I, w- I encourage you, go to our website, impactministries.com, go to the store, and look around at all the different tools and resources that we have to help you in your walk with God. And this would be a great time while we got a, a A a discount on this stuff. This will be a great time for you to get some of this stuff, start investing in your own life. And here's the deal. When you purchase products that are going to help you, we're going to use 85% of that money to reach out into the world. In other words, we're going to touch other people. So on a certain level, you are giving to other people when you purchase these products, you're giving to yourself, you're giving to other people, you're making it possible for us to touch, touch the world around you. Listen, uh, we're going to have a great new year. We're going to launch this new year about how to how to finally bring about real change in your in your new year. So you want to be sure and join us. You don't want to miss a minute of it. And if you're if you're if you've always wanted to be mentored, if you always wanted to have somebody. Make it possible for you to, to grow and understand the things of God. We, we have what we call ultimate impact. Ultimate impact is an opportunity for you to be involved in, a, in my personal online live mentoring program. And if you're interested in it, I promise you can get involved in it for, for pennies a day, less than it costs you to buy a series and less than it costs you to buy coffee and, and soft drinks all month long. So check out ultimate impact and I'll be talking to you again next week.